Hi, Jim Roddy here from the RSPA doing something a little bit out of order. You know how usually you get the legal disclaimer before the actual content, right? The opinions expressed or those of the guests. They don't reflect the official position. Offer not valid in Arkansas, right? Today, I'm going to share with you some content before we get our lawyer involved. I'm here to let you know that registration is now open for Retail Now 2023, the Retail Technology Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. Join RSPA and Retail IT Channel leaders live and in person July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center in Orlando. With an expected 1,500 or more attendees, it's the place for extreme industry connectivity. Across just 48 hours, you meet new partners and new solution providers who can accelerate the success of your business. If you're serious about the Retail IT channel, you have to attend Retail Now 2023. It's where the industry meets. For all the details and to register at discounted early bird rates, visit the Retail Now website today at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. That's gorspa.org forward slash retail now. I hope to see you there and I hope you enjoy this episode with RSPA General Counsel, Attorney Joe Miller. Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Today on the pod, we have a return guest making her lucky seventh appearance on the Trusted Advisor (laughs) is RSPA General Counsel, Attorney Jill Miller. Welcome back, Jill. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's it's always good to uh, to talk with you. So for those who don't know Jill, she's a partner at Detroit ba- Detroit based law firm Bodman PLC and has served as RSPA legal counsel since 2020, providing advice to all members, especially VARs and ISVs. And so that advice is available at no extra charge to RSPA members through phone calls, emails, video chats, and in-person meetings at RSPA events. And Jill's been engaged in our industry for several years, counseling clients on data privacy, cybersecurity, card processing, mobile payments, ACH, electronic fund transfers, virtual currencies, and more. Never never a dull moment for you, Joe, right? Right. I love this industry. <laughs> and that dovetails into, you know, usually I ask, hey, Joe, what do you want to talk about today? What's on the mind of RSP members? But I already know the answer to that question because it's surcharging and cash discounting. And in fact, recently the RSPA held its ISV spill the tea session where ISVs get to talk and we do our post-event survey. And one of the requests was, you guys need to have something where you talk about surcharging and cash discounting. And here you are, Jill. So again, super (laughs) tricky topic. Where do you want to start? What would you want to share with our audience? Well, I think we can start with um, Visa because that's sort of what has brought this topic to the forefront of late. Um, April 15th, uh, just a few days ago, which normally was tax day, um, although this year it's the 18th, it was yesterday. Um, But um, on April 15th, Visa came out and said, we're changing our surcharge rules. And two of the big changes were um, the amount of the surcharge that can be placed on a consumer uh, ticket when they utilize a credit card to um, pay for a transaction. Mm-hmm. It cannot be the, um, it cannot exceed 3%, which previously it was 4%, or the amount um, that you are charged. So it's the lesser of that, either the lesser of what you're charged or uh, the 3% cap. And secondly, um, 
previously, uh, Visa required that merchants notify both Visa and their acquiring bank when they intended to start surcharging their consumers. Now, uh, Visa has backed out and said, all you have to do is notify your acquiring bank. And so, you know, those are a couple of changes. And there's also a lot more we're going to expect to see a lot more compliance and a lot more enforcement of compliance. But so those are the big uh, picture issues. And so I thought I'd just take a step back and just talk about surcharges generally in cash discount programs. There's always confusion as to how the programs need to be uh, rolled out and what kind of um, information needs to be disclosed to consumers and how the actual cash discount or surcharge is applied. So um, one thing I noted uh, when doing a little bit of background uh, for today's podcast was that the visa rules uh, usually are updated two times per each year uh, in October and April. Um, out on the web still are only the October 2022 rules, so I would expect the visa rules to be updated in the upcoming weeks, uh, sort of codifying these changes um, that I spoke of when I first started the podcast. Um, however, there is a three-page sort of merchant Q&A about merchant surcharge programs, which there's a link um, if you just, you know, basically Google merchant Q&A surcharge visa, it'll bring you up to this document because I'm not going to read this very long link uh, to get there. But if you can't find it, you can always email me at jmiller at bobinlaw.com and I can send you the link. So um, let's just back up about, you know, what is a surcharge and a surcharge, according to visa, is a fee that a merchant adds to a consumer's bill for paying with a credit card. Um, and oftentimes merchants use this to offset the expense they have for credit card fees. Um, a surcharge is not a convenience fee. A surcharge is simply a fee levied um, to cover the merchant's credit card fees that they're being that they're incurring for the transactions. Now um, there's a lot of sort of a question about state law. Um, you know, back in 2013 is when Visa entered into a settlement agreement under which they uh, had historically banned surcharges. And then in 2013, due to a settlement, um, they uh, allowed merchants to surcharge with specific uh, disclosures, limitations, um, and um, basically following the rules that Visa had set out to actually implement this program. At the time, there were many state laws that still prohibited surcharges. And so while Visa had allowed it, um, there were many states where you couldn't, uh, you know, implement a surcharge. So we've kind of come down, um, a lot of companies um, were lobbying different states. Um, and there were several cases that came out. Now, I think there's a little confusion, at least in my mind, about which states still prohibits surcharges, because I'm reading contradictory information. In that three-page document I mentioned, Visa um, states that, I have some notes here, that there are four states in which um, surcharges are prohibited. And they say that those states are 
flipping through my notes here. Mm -hmm. um, they say those states are, and again, this is just dated 4-15-2023. They say that Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, and Oklahoma prohibits surcharges. Now, I've read contradictory information from other um, companies who have uh, sophisticated merchant surcharge programs that say that there are only two states, Connecticut and Massachusetts, that prohibits um, surcharging. When doing a little bit of light research, it looks like Maine, which Visa says doesn't permit surcharges, um, has a law that's similar to New York, which says you can um, impose a surcharge provided that you post both the cash price and the credit card price. And then with respect to Oklahoma, um, and again, you know, the laws, there's always interpretation. Um, Oklahoma, in um, December of 2019, there was a attorney general um, letter, opinion letter, that said that um, merchants can surcharge. So I think there's a little bit of, I'm, I'm not 100% clear um, on if there's four or if there's two, but I'm sure more to come on that. And then lastly, uh, Colorado, of all the states, has their um, unique rule in that they don't allow you to charge any more than 2%. Um, so that's sort of the state uh, law component of this. Mm -hmm. Go back to my other notes. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, surcharges can only be charged on credit cards. They cannot be charged on debit cards, and they cannot be charged on prepaid cards. And um, it's in the U.S. and the U.S. territory. So it's not sort of this global, you know, Visa has rules for each individual country, and currently it's in the U.S. where uh, what I'm talking about today. Um, you know, there's signage. You've, you've got to disclose to the consumer. And Visa in the rules in 2022, the October 2022 rules, and previous to that, have a lot of specificity with respect to what the consumer disclosures have to contain. There are some sample disclosures available from Visa. I have those again. You can email me, jmiller at bodmanlaw.com, and I can send those to you. But those aren't um, necessarily... Uh, useful in a state like New York, where you have to list both the cash and the credit price, because um, the visa um, disclosures just say you have to put the percentage or you have to put um, the dollar amount that will be charged. And for those of uh, us who were involved in surcharging for some time, if you remember, the New York law said, we don't want consumers to have to do math. Mm -hmm. um, which is why they wanted the cash and the um, credit price. So what's important also is that you have to include all of, if you're doing a surcharge, you have to include the price of the product, one line item, and you have to set, have a separate line item for the surcharge, and it has to be all on one ticket. Uh, Visa also recently has um, specifically set forth a field labeled field 28 in which the surcharge needs to be um, 
listed and the acquirer should be able to assist with that particular um, compliance issue. Where, uh, one th uh, last po point I'll make about that visa three page document is this. Visa says they are actively enforcing its surcharge policy in accordance with its rules and state laws. And they state that they have mystery shoppers out there. They say that, and I've seen um, some documents come back from Visa saying to merchants, we've been in your store, your program's not compliant, pull it together. Mm -hmm. um, and then as of April 15th, 2023, uh, the acquirer of any merchant identified as out of compliance with the surcharge rules and regulations um, maybe assess an immediate $1,000 fine. I don't know if that's per occurrence or per merchant or, or that's just sort of one line that's in the uh, that, that three-page document. I imagine the rules um, will give us more clarity, um, you know, if there's a second violation or if, um, you know, an acquirer has a bunch of merchants that are doing this, you know, there might be further um, uh, looking at that acquirer and while their merchants are not in compliance. So that I found interesting. Um, <clears throat> and so that's it for surcharging. I'll take a break there and see if you have something you want to ask me about this. Uh, and, well, first, thank you for spelling out the enforcement thing, because that's the first thing that jumped out to me, like, whoa, whoa, is somebody going to jail here or is it just a slap on the wrist or are they really enforcing it? Or are they just putting it uh, on paper there? But it seems like there's some teeth uh, behind the enforcement. But I think there's also something instructive in terms of how you're approaching this, Jill, where you're referring to your notes, right? And you have lots of them on this. There's a lot of resident knowledge you bring to this already, but you're also doing a lot of research on it. And my guess is a lot of VARs and ISVs are not doing that. They're going with what they know, right? And they're or what they've heard or what they think, because that's, you know, this has not been a very heavily regulated uh, industry. Can you talk about the landmines for VARs and ISVs if they just go with what they know? Like, what can happen if they don't follow through on this, if they don't implement this uh, incorrectly, besides, you know, what could happen to their their merchants, you know, through visas enforcement, things of that nature? Where, where are the landmines for resellers if they don't do their due diligence? They need to be in business with a company that has a well-established and a well-documented surcharge program, because that's really where the uh, system has to be able to look at a transaction and know if it's a debit card. You know, if you have a POS system that can differentiate between a debit card and a credit card, you're, you could be in violation. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter, matter if the consumer chooses credit when they're uh, putting in a debit card, it still is prohibited under the rules from assessing a surcharge on a debit card. So you have to be with a partner who is sophisticated and who has been working this program for many years and understands um, the complexities and the rules related to it. I went out to, and I'm not going to name names, but a couple of highly uh, sophisticated companies, they already had their websites updated to say the 3%. Mm -hmm. um, they already had that you only have to notify, notify the acquirer, whereas some other websites that still had the 4%, it still had you have to notify Visa and the um, acquiring bank. So 
you really need to be with a company who understands surcharging and isn't playing games. I, I have spoken with many um, resellers, ISVs, um, independent sales organizations who say, wait, no, 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 I think we can do this. I think we can. And I, I say, you know, no, you can't. It's it's pretty black and white as far as I'm concerned, but that's, um, you know, the conservative lawyer in me. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe it's black and white. And maybe I'll just, um, when I delve in next to the cash discount program, I yeah. think that will highlight. Um, yeah. Before yeah. we cash, talk cash discounting, my guess is it's, I'm doing this. It's okay, right? Right. They want you to agree with them as opposed to uh, right. calling, calling balls and strikes because people, <laughs> there's a lot of money, you know, there's a lot of uh, opportunity yes. here, yes. but uh, again, there, there are areas you can misstep as well. So talk, talk cash discounting again. Okay. So folks know we were just talking about surcharging. It's related to cash discounting, but uh, uh, related, but, uh, but different things. Talk about cash discounting um, and what your take is uh, and what you've learned and, and what you want to share with VARs and ISVs. Okay. So cash discounting means that uh, there's a posted price. And if you pay with cash, it's going to be less than that. Um, you know, there's this talk about dual pricing. Um, and so there, uh, I'll just back up one step. There are no laws prohibiting offering a consumer a cash discount on a purchase. However, it's about how you're presenting it where you can run afoul of the card brand rules. And so um, Visa stated that it allows its merchants to uh, implement cash discount programs. Um, however, to do so correctly, the merchant has to display their prices in either one of these ways. And there's only two. So it's, I think, again, to me, black and white. I even have it bolded here. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it says, only the card price is posted, which means the card price is posted. It's $5 for a cup of coffee. If you pay with cash, it's $4.80. Or both the card price and the cash price are listed, like you might see at a gas station. We all use that reference, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So what you can't do is say the cash price is $20 and add an extra amount if you pay with card. Right. That is a surcharge. Yes. Okay. So that's where people run afoul again. If someone's paying by cash, it has to be less than the credit price that's posted, or it has to be the cash price when the credit and the cash price are listed. So again, to me, it's black and white. I've had a lot of discussions with folks along the way, um, but you know, this is sort of, to me, um, seems pretty um, cut and dry. So when the cardholder is presented with their final bill for payment, the total price to be paid on, on a card has to be displayed in full. And um, if they want to do a discount for cash, it has to come off of that price. So I can say this again in five different ways. And <laughs> people are like, we got the point, Jill. So <laughs> I'll, I'll move on. 
um, to the next um, sort of discussion about um, uh, cash discounts. And so, you know, um, and surcharges generally. Visa says, here's what they say on one of their um, uh, documents, again, dated, uh, when I just saw it this morning, it was dated 4 15 2023 visa's position on surcharging visa remains opposed to surcharging a practice that penalizes cardholders for using their preferred form of payment mm -hmm. so um you know i mean visa and mastercard you know mastercard follows visa so when people say you know what's mastercard doing they're doing exactly what visa does um and they go into sort of the salesy approach of why it is that the benefits of card acceptance include increased sales, a fast and convenient checkout. You know, they're trying to sort of really um, encourage merchants not to impose a surcharge. I don't know that I've seen them decreasing their prices or any other methods. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's in a think tank and Visa, they're thinking of other ways to make it more attractive for merchants to accept cards. Um, let's hope um you know that that we can find some other ways for merchants not to bear the burden of these fees for running their business um and then you know i talked a little bit about the consumer disclosure and i'll just finalize this discussion with this um as soon as the merchant comes into a location they need to see it so even if they come on a website, they need to see the disclosure about the surcharge. When they're at the point of sale, they need to be able to see that the surcharge is there. There's different font types and uh, things of that nature of what the signs need to look like. And the consumer also has to be able to, once they see that, be able to change their method of payment. Um, and so consumer disclosure um, necessary, not more than 3%. Uh, the lesser of three percent or the cost it actually is to um that the, the merchant incurs for processing card payments and you have to notify your acquirer that you're going to do this program and then on the cash discount side post the credit price and then you can if you pay with cash you'll pay less or post both the cash price and the credit price Got it. Th thank you for that. And again, there's a ton there. I guess the last word before we take a quick pause and then want to talk about your plan for talking about this at retail now. It seems like for VARs and ISVs, there are some things where they can say, I'm going to do it however I want. Or, yeah, here's a way I'm going to kind of do it that way. I'm able to color outside the lines or I'm going to use my own color that I want to use that artistic analogy. It seems <laughs> like for this one, if it says use the color blue and do it within the lines, you've got to do it within the lines or else you are running significant risks, right? This is not something that you can necessarily get super creative with, right? Like you should follow right. the letter of the law. Is that is that kind of what the, your advice That's to, exactly uh, to our right. listeners? That's okay. exactly right, because not only that, the merchant could be cut off and never be able to accept cards. Yeah. There's fines imposed. I mean, the last thing you want to be is on Visa or MasterCard's radar. Um, and so while there is a lot of money to be made um, by our clients and by our um, folks in the industry, we, you need to do so in a way which is compliant with the card brand rules and the laws. Got it. Well, thank you for that. And I, I will say um, uh, last fall at the RMH Retail Management Hero uh, Conference, 
uh, RSP member VAR was presenting and somebody asked him a question about cash discounting and surcharging. And he just paused and said, there's a payments panel later today. I'll let them address it. Like he completely punted on it. And then when we had that discussion, you could see all the rumors and, you know, I heard this, I heard this, I heard that. And, you know, it was just, it was very difficult. And you could see why he punted uh, on the question. That's what I thought, like, as I was moderating that panel, I'm like, mm -hmm. I can see now why, why he punted. I'd say it's Jill, thank you for not uh, punting on this one. Again, it's a complex subject. It. We appreciate you, you being here for members. We're going to take a quick pause to let our listeners know if you want to be able to work with Jill, you can become a member as well of the Retail Solution Providers Association, North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or sponsorship, email membership at GoRSPA.org. Also want to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScantSource, and Star Micronics. And so uh, Retail Now, let's talk about that, Jill. Can you talk about your plan at Retail Now? Because you're going to be doing a breakout session that's going to dive even deeper into surcharging and cash discounting. Can you talk about that presentation and how you're going to engage uh, some RSP members as well and what folks can get out of that? Yes. So we're going to do a panel discussion, which I think is um, really a lot more interesting than just the legal perspective because we're going to have um, business leaders who actually run these kinds of programs and the things that they see from an operational perspective. Um, and so I think we're going to have a few people. Um, we'll just do sort of Q&A. We'll do a little bit of discussion on the front end of sort of the landscape and the rules probably will have come out by then. Um, you know, this this does become a heated topic when we get out there in the um, trade shows, but I, I don't think it needs to be. I think that, you know, we just will go in with the information um, and we will be open to questions and perspectives. But um, like I said, I think it's pretty black and white. Um, people may have nuances or ways in which they think the program can be run. We'll try to help address um, those questions and comments. Um, I think it'll be a great session. It's definitely something that impacts payment professionals um, and ISVs um, and VARs on a daily basis. So yeah, we're eager to talk about it. I think it'll be a packed room with, uh, again, both the legal and the um, actual business elements related to these programs. And I have a quick football analogy. You can tell me if this holds water or not. And I know Bodman represents, works with the Detroit Lions. So we've got a, a football. Yes. Hopefully uh, we'll work here. <laughs> Where there's almost an element of you're like the, uh, when the replay is going on during a game and they bring in like Gene Steratore on uh, CBS <laughs> or somebody like that, like a former official. And everybody's like, yeah, I think it's this. I think it's this. And he's able to go, well, the rule book says this. And because mm -hmm. the rule book says this, the call should be this. And then people say, yeah, but it didn't have an impact, whatever. You might say that, but the rule book says this. Right. And so you need to do this. Is that kind of how you're thinking this panel could go to that degree in terms of the practical application of it? And then you talking about, well, here's where the lines are drawn, kind of like, again, that alternate uh, video uh, official. Is, is that yeah. a close analogy? I think so, right. And I think we're there to actually help people understand 
why the programs have to be run a certain way. I mean, my job as a lawyer is to help facilitate business and to help transactions get done and help people. That's why I'm not a litigator. I really like to, you know, not impede business, um, but we have to do so in a way which is in compliance with the laws. It's not me up there, you know, saying what my opinion is. Um, it's really, again, if somebody comes up and has a question about their program, um, we can give them, you know, the exact rule of why it might not be that way. And if they want to talk after the panel, we can do that too. I'm there the yeah. whole show. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Wonderful. And for those who haven't, uh, don't know about retail now, uh, go to gorsp.org forward slash retail now so you can learn all about uh, retail now 2023 that's going to be held uh, late July to early August, July 30th through August 1st uh, at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Finally, Jill, before we go, uh, you've alluded to it before, but how can RSP members connect with you to discuss legal issues beyond uh, uh, discounting and surcharging? Yes. So I can be reached at jmiller at bodmanlaw.com. Send me an email. I'd like to actually see um, our members. So many times you'll send me a question and then I'll just respond and we'll set up a time where we can have a Zoom meeting. Um, you can always call me at 734-930-2499. Uh, email is always great, right? Because then we can set up a time that's convenient for both of us and I'm not calling a member back when they're in the middle of a sale or trying to hustle from one meeting to the next. So um, I've really enjoyed these, you know, last three years getting to know our members and have really developed some really good deep relationships and helping members with questions that um, they don't have to spend a fortune asking, you know, a lawyer um, when I can just in short order just um, give them an answer and then sort of get them on the right track. Wonderful. Well, uh, to keep the football analogy going, we're glad you're on our team. Yes, uh, Jill, happy, happy to have you on our team. Thank well, that you. does it for this this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. Be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more, more best practices or VARs and ISVs in the Retail Technology channel, you can check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorsp.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to attorney Jill Miller for sharing her wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.